0: Welcome to the Sports Ball for Millennials podcast with Lewis Schaefer and Lewis Januzzi.
1: We are back. We are back, back again. It is I, Lewis Januzzi, with my co-host Lewis Schaefer. We're back on Sports Ball for Millennials, and we're ready to talk to you about all the amazing things that have happened this week in sports. Amazing can be positive, amazing can be negative, negative. and there have been some things that have happened this week that are completely awful and terrible, and some things that have happened this week that are intriguing, interesting, fun, entertaining, that's what sports is. Lewis, how are you doing today? Living the dream. As, as always. I was just watching through the door, looking at my TV, and boy, Raiders got slapped. And I had Jared Cook starting in both of my leagues, and then I had... Um, Jalen Richard as well starting, because I thought that he would get a few checkdowns because that's all the Raiders are, but they couldn't even do that. They are a bad, bad team. Uh, and probably the... I think they said statistically, actually, on ESPN, it was the worst Thursday night football matchup, or it was the worst primetime matchup in the last 30 to 40 years, uh, statistically. Wow. Yeah, both teams only had one win. They're they're awful. Yeah. Um, but good for, good for uh, Mullen. That kid comes out, looks like an absolute stud. Undrafted in 2017. The Niners, you know, they signed to the practice squad for a year. They put him on a futures contract. Then they uh, bring him back in for tryouts. They put him back on the practice squad. Garoppolo tears his ACL. They bring him up. C.J. Beathard is not an elite quarterback. He's not, maybe not even a serviceable quarterback, to be honest. And then he gets injured. They bring in Mullins, and he looks like a stud. Um, but there's no way they can get out of the Garoppolo contract now. So when Garoppolo's healthy, he's going to be back. But maybe he becomes a trading asset at the end of the season if he's good enough.
0: I think you're reaching there. <laughs> you think so? I mean, yeah. it, is against, it is
1: against the Raiders. So I guess... Maybe that's the kryptonite. Maybe when he plays a real team, uh,
0: when he plays literally anybody else, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, the Raiders are pretty bad. There's there's some pretty bad stuff, but he did look like a stud, and I just I just get happy for people, especially when they go undrafted, and they come out and they uh, have a good game. It's nice to watch. Uh, let's see what the Raiders. Let's see what the Forty Nineers schedule is actually really quick because I'm interested to see what are what. Uh, Should I buy a jersey for this guy? No, I'll wait. Um, Okay, well, he plays the Giants next weekend. Um, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I think I'm going to root for him I want a better pick. Go (laughs) Nick Mullins. (laughs) But if they keep with him to the end of the season, he will have to play the Bears and the Niners to end the season. And I think that will make sure that any value he has is lost. So yes. anyway, uh, welcome back to Sportsball, everybody. We got a lot of stuff going on today. We got The Wheel, we got Pro Picks, we'll probably do a hot take at the end, college football, trivia, and our brand new segment, Sportsball Mail Call, where we talk about what you guys want us to talk about on Facebook, on Podbean, on Google Play, on iTunes, anything that you messaged me, we'll talk about. So, if you hear The Mail Call today, and you enjoyed it, feel free to comment on our page for anything else that you'd want to talk about in the future. Anyway, we're going to go straight to The Wheel! Sports ball. we're gonna spin it so let's spin it right now <laughs> cleveland sports oh <laughs> Br- brought to you by our friend shane uh he's a cleveland brought to you by natty Bow. <laughs> yeah right yeah um uh hugh and lou are out uh hugh jackson he's done and uh, Tyron Lue is also done. So the basketball team has given up their head coach and fired him. The Browns will fire their head coach and offensive coordinator. And a thing that came out literally a few hours ago, I don't know if you saw this, J.R. Smith came out and said that he wants a trade or he wants out of Cleveland immediately. And <laughs> it's funny that J.R. Smith wants out immediately because you could say he's the reason that he's the reason LeBron left yeah, I mean I mean LeBron LeBron probably wanted to leave anyway like he wanted to go to LA he wanted to be in the sunshine he wanted his kids to be in LA blah blah blah, but I mean J.R. Smith's like the nail in the coffin yeah I mean that he was... could
0: have come back to Miami and been in the sunlight
1: <laughs> no but for real yeah I mean he
0: wanted to go to the other coast from JR
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah as far away as possible from JR, please now okay the Cavaliers you knew after LeBron left that they were gonna be trash, um, right. so I don't I don't understand. There must be some type of uh, problem going on with the head coach and the GM or ownership or something because I, I don't understand how you would want to fire Tyron Lue after a few games but you knew when LeBron left this team was not gonna be good unless they're in some type of fantasy land. But see,
0: I think you hit. I think you hit the nail on the head there. when LeBron went back, they had. Uh... What's his name? Uh, Blatt. And then they, he, I think he coached the first year he was back. And then, again, similar to Lou, early on in the season, after going to the finals, they got rid of him. LeBron got, I, I think Lou all along was, you know, LeBron's guy. Um, you know, obviously he's a former player, played on the Lakers with Kobe. Um, you know, I, I think all along, like, Ty Lou was LeBron's guy.
1: Wait, so are you saying that you think that they, right when LeBron left, they were like, okay, we're done with Ty Lue. Like, we're just going to try to find I, the excuse a few games in and just get rid of him.
0: I think so. I think so. You know, they didn't really, you know, the East is bad aside from, you know, Boston, Toronto, like, Philly. Horrendous. You know, but it's not like they went out and said, you know, we're going to go add a Rudy Gay type player, you know. Mm-hmm. Just something complimentary, yeah. you know, Carmelo Anthony was on the open market, you know, just for, hey, we're going to add another piece with Kevin Love and try to make this work. Like, they were just like, we're going to take the 15 that we had, pluck out LeBron, and draft some rookie. Yeah,
1: it's not going to happen. <laughs> and, and, and Kevin Love's injured it's gonna now. It's a mess. They're they an yeah. absolute mess. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but uh, right when the first rounder got picked by the Cavs at whatever pick it was – pick 30 29 or whatever it was uh they asked that they interviewed each person after they get drafted and the kid comes down to the the lady reporter and the reporter just goes is there anything you'd like to say to lebron uh on deciding whether he wants to leave or not and the kid just goes like come on lebron you can play with me i'm really cool (laughs) man and lebron leaves like three four days later he's just like he probably didn't even see the interview
0: Like, after that, I would have, like, went out and hugged – like, if I was LeBron, probably would have, like, taken the card from Adam Silver and announced the Lakers pick. Like, oh, yeah, by the way. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no. I mean, yeah, LeBron had his mind made up. That that kid wasn't changing his mind. Yeah, Cleveland's the best. And then, obviously, we can go to the Browns. The Browns, they – what, what, they tie their first game.
0: They tied their their first game and then lost – one or two, and then beat the yeah.
1: Jets. <laughs> and then, and yeah, and then what happens is, you know, Tyrod, TT, he gets benched. Baker comes in, leads this great comeback. Um, wins the game, gives Cleveland their first win. Everybody is invigorated. Everybody's happy. Everybody's ready to go. Like this is the Cleveland team we were waiting for. Like we went, terrible. The season went terribly last season, than the season before, but now we got all our picks. We got Miles Garrett. We got. Baker Mayfield, we got all these players, all these, you know, assets we have banked in, we've cashed in, and now we're ready to go. And then just the same chaos. I mean, this the team just I mean, they're not as bad as what they were the last two seasons, but Yeah, you,
0: Hugh Jackson got fired during his best season as a Browns. Fan.
1: I know, it's crazy. No, well they were supposed to, even though they went one and thirty one over the last two seasons. There was expectations that they were going to try to vie for a playoff spot. Like that was the deal. Like he's going to vie for a playoff spot or he's out because he has great players and there's no reason now why they shouldn't be playing. Like the whole. That's why they started Tyrod a quarterback and not Baker is because yeah. they were supposed to win now. They were supposed to go for it all, not for it all. But the expectation was, you know, nine and seven, ten and six, get a wild card spot in an AFC that. Isn't as good as the NFC right now. Isn't as competitive. I mean, last season the Buffalo Bills got a wild card spot. So and two years ago a,
0: the Dolphins were
1: in. Yeah, sorry, that's, Jonas. That's, that's how that's as <laughs> that's how competitive the AFC is right now. But yeah, they've completely fallen apart, and they just they pretty much pulled the Giants from last season. They just said, "All right, we're cleaning house mid-season. We're gonna let everybody know that we're rebuilding again." It's bad, and, and
0: I like Baker Mayfield. I liked watching him at Oklahoma. You know, this is the worst thing you can do. You know, I get it. You know, Hugh Jackson was not good. (laughs) Obviously, they were trying to suck for those last two years. But, you know, you look at, you know, like Alex Smith. Obviously, Baker is much more talented than Smith was coming out of school. But it really handicapped Alex Smith's career having to go like offensive coordinator through offensive coordinator through offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And then finally he got Harbaugh and everything clicked. You know, I really just hope they, they saw, cause you're right. They do have the pieces in place, you know, him, uh, Chubb Landry, you know, they have the pieces in place in Joku, go get a coach. My preference would be go get his college coach. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't think they would do that. Um, go get a coach you can stick with for, you know, as long as he's performing well, 10 years. Because I don't want this becoming a carousel that could cripple Mayfield's career.
1: Yeah, it could but it definitely could. I mean these Browns are so poisonous. I mean, you've seen you saw the parade, right? Yeah. I mean, you saw the trucks that just had the lists of all the names of all the quarterbacks that have ever played there. I mean... They ruined Brady Quinn's career. <laughs>
0: yeah, Johnny Manziel. <laughs> they ruined
1: a lot of careers. And, I mean, and who knows if they ruined the careers and maybe they just picked all of these duds, all of these lemons just continuously. But, it, it, I mean, it's it's so chronic, this problem, that there has to be something wrong organizationally. I, I can't see all of these people just tanking so easily without the fact that, they're just a bad organization yeah now it'll change hopefully it'll change i'm not saying that they're gonna be a bad organization forever but they have been for a long time and you know at least they have good sports fans at least they have sports fans that are committed to their cause like they embrace the fact that they're terrible them and the bills are probably the best sports fans in which when they're losing they'll still commit and still go crazy
0: oh yeah yeah, so. and it and it only makes it better when they do win. You know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. you look at you know same same city, the Indians always drew crowds, and then the second they got good, it like took it to another level. Yeah.
1: So, and when the Browns finally won the season, they had the Bud Light coolers, yeah. and they had people <laughs> going crazy right outside the stadium in the streets, going wild. It was like they won the Super Bowl.
0: I was gonna say it looked like Philly after the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's crazy. They should build they should build a statue of Baker Mayfield and. <laughs> yeah, just shaking hands after the win. Yeah, that's yeah, embarrassing. All right, let's spin this bill one more time. I really hope it lands the one that I want to land on, but I will respect the wheel. The Red Sox. Oh. You know, it's good, it's good to talk about the World Series because we haven't, you know, this is, we came, what was it, last time on our podcast, we were talking about how the Red Sox looked like they were just going to dominate this series. And then, I think, after we released the podcast, the Dodgers came back and won that 18-inninger uh, game. And yeah. you immediately thought, oh, I mean, they really had to work hard for it. But the Dodgers are in a better place than the Red Sox right now because the Red Sox, you know, they started David Price, they started Evaldi, they started all these pitchers in that game to try to win it, and then they didn't. And the Dodgers had their starter all raring to go in Game 4. And the Red Sox... Didn't even announce a starter until a few hours before when they said it was Eduardo Rodriguez. And then the Red Sox come out. They win game four. And then game five comes around. And they just, you know, they take off right at the beginning with Steve Pearson. They just don't look back.
0: Yeah. that That is the one thing that, you know, really, obviously it's only three games. You know, it's not a huge, huge sample size. But the ability for that team, the way they were. Just closing out series, you mm-hmm. know, it was almost like they hung in every game up until it was time to clinch it. With the exception of the sixteen inning, uh, sixteen run blowout in Yankee Stadium, Game Three, mm-hmm. um, you know, there wasn't really a dominating performance from them up until the clinching game in, in all three series.
1: There's an interesting stat that I found, and I don't have the numbers for it, but and I don't know if any other team has done it before, but it's pretty cool is every game in which the Red Sox scored the first run in the playoffs, they won. They were undefeated when scoring the first run of the game. Whenever they got the lead right in the beginning of the game, they did not give it up. And the real hero, even though Steve Pierce was named the MVP, the real hero, I would have to say, would be David Price. I mean, his redemption coming back from, <laughs> well, he, first off, he had, what is it, carpool tunnel from playing so much Fortnite during the season. And yeah. And he started falling apart. He was having a little injury problem, and then uh, – He uh, was getting knocked around, especially by the Yankees, as always. That's just his, you know, that's kryptonite. And you just look and you see, oh, same old David Price. And then he comes in in the ALDS against the Yankees. Gary Sanchez hits two home runs off him. And you think, oh, well, you know, David Price is a great pitcher, but doesn't look like this is happening for him. And then that's all she wrote. He comes back. He pitches great in every game after that. His ERA was below a 2 or something like that, and he he, rede- he redeemed himself. And he told the media, too, he said, you no longer have that trump card over me that I suck in the playoffs, and it's really yeah, good. Yeah, that was a ballsy move. I like that. <laughs> yeah. that. It really was. I, I I mean, I kind of felt, the what. I, what is the media supposed to do? When you tank that hard in the postseason, and your yeah, ERA exactly. is that badly, and against the Yankees, your ERA is like almost above a 10. What do you expect the media to do when when they see that stat and they just go, oh, it looks like you have a little problem in the playoffs, huh, David? Like, what do you ex? Like that's the story. The story is you suck in the playoffs. We're gonna talk about this. We're not just gonna you know be all nice and dandy about it. And then David comes out and he just you know he proves his haters wrong, and that's great. But he, I don't know, he almost pushed it to the point where he's just like, you know what? How dare you? How dare you question yeah. me on that? It's like of course they're gonna question you on that.
0: That's their job.
1: Yeah, it's their it's their job. That's why we're talking about it right now. I mean, it's it's our job as fans and their job as the media to report on the stats that are so blatantly obvious.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, you're right. Because it, it was almost like he was so good in 08 when he came up and was pitching for Tampa and then never found it in the yeah. postseason ever mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And I had said during the regular season, you know, one of my assistant managers is a Yankee fan. And I said, I was like, he just needs to have, like, a Pedro Martinez come to Jesus moment. And, like, the Yankees are my daddy. Mm-hmm. Like, he just needed to do that. And he didn't. <laughs> but <laughs> he turned it around. The he Almost like he got rocked by the Yankees in game two. And you're right. He ever Whether it was out of the bullpen, starting or whatever, he was phenomenal against Houston and then the Dodgers.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's it's good for him, you know. Very, it's good for him. I, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm obviously not a Red Sox fan, and uh, I hated seeing them win. Um, but I also don't like Manny Machado, so I guess it was kind of like watching the Eagles and Patriots kind of play in the Super Bowl. It's like you know, whoever wins is just gonna be whoever's the greater of two evils. Yeah, I don't know. They made it seem like Steve Pierce is the MVP of the World Series. That's that's who it is. They walked him straight out. That's the MVP. That's it. It would have been nice to see the vote and to see some type of, nah, maybe not some type of process, but just see, like, was David Price like, a close second or, like, how close was he to actually getting it? Because he was he was great in that World Series. I mean, the two games that he pitched and then the one where he came in in extra innings, I mean, he, he, he was like the ultimate comeback story. And I thought that he would have a chance at the World Series MVP. But, you know, Steve Pierce hits two home runs in Game 5 to clinch the World Series and also had an amazing World Series. I mean, hats off to him. Let's go on. Uh, Let's spin this wheel one more time. Round and round and round and round and round and round and round. Oh, it's my choice. Hmm, what do I want to talk about? You know what I want to talk about, actually? I really want to talk about Maryland football. All right. Let me just let me just run down the story. All right. For those of you that don't know, uh, on May 29th, there's a kid on Maryland's football team named Jordan McNair, from, and he's from Randallstown, Maryland. Like He's right from there. And they were running 110-yard sprints during a workout. And over the course of training, he had reported or he had gone in to the facility and stuff because he was getting exhausted easily. And the coaches, you know, the coaches will be coaches. They'll be like, oh, well, if you're exhausted and you're not fit enough, then you can't be on this team, blah, blah, blah. And that's somewhat usual of an organization that if you're working out and you're not good enough and you're on scholarship, they're going to be like, hey, if you're not in shape and stuff, then you got to get in better shape to be on this team. And it's understandable. It's whatever.
0: Yeah, even even not scholarship, you know, high yeah, school level. no right. so,
1: exactly, yeah, yeah. If you can't if you can't hang in practice, you can't hang on the game. Right, you have experience. No yeah, you, you played football, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and what happens is is that on May 29th, he runs a series of one hundred and ten yard sprints during a workout, and the training staff noticed uh, that Jordan McNair was having trouble breathing, and so they took him into the nearby training room for care and stuff like that, and then his condition worsened, and it worsened, and they kept feeding him water. And they kept giving him, you know, like the oxygen masks and stuff like that. And it kept worsening and worsening. Took them about almost an hour to decide, hmm, we're not doing anything to help him. So we're going to call the paramedics. And they call the paramedics and they bring him over. And the kid, the kid goes to the hospital and he's dying of heat stroke. They had to give him a liver transplant. And after the liver transplant, two days later, he died. It's amazing how something like this could happen... In a Division One program where there's so much funding and there's so much care and there's so many staff members there is so heavily funded that they should have the ability to hire the best staff members and the best people and the best doctors and the best trainers and all these people that should be trained and ready for a situation like this. And what happens is after this kid dies, there's a whole fallout. You know, they have fire the strength coach that was looking over Jordan McNair and stuff. Uh... The president of the university stated that he's retiring. Uh, they started making moves. They started saying, "You, we cannot allow this. Because when you're a parent and you're sending your kid off to college, you shouldn't be thinking of the fact, oh, what's the worst thing that could happen when I send my kid to college? You'd probably think, oh, I hope he doesn't flunk out. I hope his grades are good. I hope he, you know, meets a nice girl or guy or whatever, you know? And these parents sent their kid off to college And DJ Durkin sat at their kitchen table. This is a quote by the father of Jordan McNair saying, I remember DJ Durkin sitting at our kitchen table assuring me that he would take care of my son. And my child died there. And that's something we'll never get back. And that's a wound that will never heal. What happened uh, two or three days ago is the board of directors came out. And they were supposed to make a ruling on whether DJ Durkin was going to get fired. The head coach of the football team. And I thought without a doubt they were going to fire him. And they came out and they said that the head coach was only partially responsible. For the death of Jordan McNair, and therefore because he's only partially responsible, Jordan McNair, for Jordan McNair's death, uh, that he was going to be reinstated as the Maryland football coach. People went wild about it. The student body went crazy about it. The donors went crazy. The alumni went crazy. Uh, the teachers, professors, they went absolutely insane about it. They were planning a protest the next day. They were coming in. There was gonna be hundreds, uh, tens of thousands of people that were going to flood campus to protest it. And the board of directors came out and they said, never mind, we're firing him. He's done. Sorry, sorry, we're firing him. We didn't know we were going to get this response. What, what do you expect? A kid died under this kid's watch. This kid's never going to see his family again. This family's never going to see him again. They lost their son. And you expect this head coach to just come dilly-dallying back on in, I mean, this is, we're not talking about Nick Saban, we're not talking about Urban Meyer, I don't understand, Lewis, this is my problem with this situation, and it's only a small problem, because even if it was Urban Meyer and Nick Saban, I think they should get fired in this situation, but the point here is, this is, this, this is DJ Durkin, a head coach for Maryland football for two years who hasn't had a single winning record in the last two seasons, why are they fighting for him? Uh, yeah I mean it doesn't it does like even if it was Nick Saban even if it was Bill Belichick coaching this team I think that the guy should get fired because it's his responsibility to hire the right people and it's his responsibility to take care of those kids he was in that room and the kitchen with that family he told him he was gonna look over their kid and he didn't and the kid died and that's his responsibility he needs to own up to it
0: yeah no absolutely and my biggest thing you know like you said, Lou, I played football. I've been in that spot you know where I've had you know coaches calling, going to dinner with my family on uh, campus visits and stuff. I look at it from this perspective. How in their right mind did they ever think that that would be a good idea to bring him back? because the fact of the matter is Jordan McNair's dad is coming out and saying this that you said he would take care of his son. You cannot even say anything remotely close to that after that. No one would ever buy it. You could be a saint. No one would ever buy it ever again.
1: How are you supposed to go to another person's house for a different recruit and go, Hey, we're going to take care of your son. I-, I know that I made that one little mistake where that kid died, but I'm going to make sure that I take care of your son. Exactly. You lose that card. Forget it.
0: Exactly. And and that is the biggest thing that w- when you look at the recruiting process th- you got to rope in the parents because the parents are going to have a say in the decision. Yeah. Okay. And maybe not so much the dad in the group um or, or the athlete for that matter. But the mom's going to care about her son or daughter being taken care of in this case for football. Son yeah. And and that was one thing I was told was that, you know, regardless of whatever program I, you know, obviously I didn't get to go to one, but whatever program I would go to, as long as I was good, they'd care. If I wasn't good, they could say they're going to care until they're blue in the face. They don't care. Yeah. You know, and, and that was one of those things. that was always in the back of my mind. And hell, the next coach. You know, whoever replaces Durkin probably doesn't have that card.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, this that's is this,
0: yeah. this might genuinely be the equivalent. Obviously, whatever sanctions will not come from the NCAA. Maybe a slight sanction. Yeah, but this is the equivalent to the NCAA dropping the death penalty on a on a program. Yeah, because how how are you going to get any quality players besides the fact that you're in the Big Ten? And, and and are competing for recruits in the Northeast with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Penn, Michigan State.
1: Yeah, and Maryland also isn't a. They aren't. They aren't Michigan or Ohio State or or Michigan State. They're not a huge program. They they, like, they don't Rutgers have that. Rutgers
0: should be pulling in better players for the next twenty years for than real. Maryland.
1: Maryland is going to lose all these recruits, and they didn't they didn't take care of the situation the way that they should have. I mean, first off, first off, the kid dying is an incredibly irresponsible thing by that athletic department and any sanction handed down by the NCAA, it, it really isn't enough because there is nothing worse in the world than having a kid die under your watch, whether it be football, whether it be a parent and a child, whether it be anything. It's completely unacceptable. And when the parents entrusted this university to take care of their kid, they never thought that they'd be seeing their kid come back Pretty much in a body bag. Yeah, it's sad. Um, this was something I exactly. read on HBO's Real Sports. Uh, McNair is uh, far from the only college athlete to die following a workout. There have actually been 30 college football players that have died since 2000 following that have died from non-contact workouts and stuff like that. But the reason that this one's different, obviously, is it's Division One. And a lot of these deaths happen in lower-tier uh, divisions. But the most important thing is that the failures in the approach of the workout and the medical treatment for McNair, in which he collapsed, was bad. And another thing that has been confirmed by other players is the culture that was being operated under Durkin. Durkin was subjecting these players to a very weird style of film and workouts. He was showing them videos of uh, serial killers and drills entering eyeballs and animals eating other animals and stuff trying to relate like this is what you should be like this is the this is the thing that you need to turn into all right this is the pain that you need to create and this is the energy that you need to give off and it's just it was it's weird this whole thing that I'm reading and it just they were showing videos of animals eating other animals and just like so which one are you going to be you going to be the predator or are you going to be the prey? It's like, I don't know. It's kind of it's weird and grotesque, to be honest. Now, obviously, that's not the thing that, you know, resulted in the death of Jordan McNair, but it is something that may explain the culture and why it might be a little messed up.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and that's, it, 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 I, you're, I think you're completely right because it's a matter of, you know, every team wants to be competitive. But when you have a coach that's, step, you know, leaping over that line. With injuries in general, when you have a coach that has that mentality, mm-hmm. you almost want to force yourself back out there because you don't want to piss off the coach. And you want to play. And yeah. you want to play. But that, that right there could be a huge issue because, it, you know, if you kn- Jordan McNair as a player probably knew this coach. Had- Durkin had this mentality. He obviously, you know, got m- the medical attention a little too late. But he probably wanted to keep pushing on in practice because he knew he had to play.
1: Yeah. So. And it was that cu- it was that culture that was established and which led to this happening. Yeah. Uh, maybe if it was a different culture, something like that, and if there are multiple football teams that are showing uh, kids videos of drills going into eyeballs and animals eating other animals, then maybe they should all reconsider what they're showing their kids because they may be in the same problem yeah weird uh, let's see we can go on to uh, trivia we're back to it um, we're gonna go straight to medium alright so this is a, kind of a long winded one uh, so you may want to just get on your phone if you can't remember but you probably will because you're a big baseball fan each World Series since 2010 just those World Series games not the winners or anything like that just the games alright so Los Angeles is the second biggest market and Boston is the 10th biggest market when it comes to, you know, media, when it comes to sports relevance, when it comes to the amount of people from each uh, city, like New York's one, Los Angeles is two, Chicago's three, Boston's 10th. So with Los Angeles at two and Boston at 10, it was expected that the World Series rating would be extremely good this year. But by television viewership, it was actually the third lowest rated series in Fox history. It might have to do with the fact that it only went to game five because usually the viewership goes up when it gets to game six and especially game seven. But the question I have for you is do you know what the lowest TV series in history is? And it actually occurred in this decade.
0: Hmm. So so Boston and the Dodgers is third.
1: Boston and the Dodgers is third. Yes. Now you can look at... What might help you is looking at if the games ended in game four, game five. But my advice to you is looking at, looking at the games in which the markets are really small. If that might help.
0: I'm going to go with forget what year it is. I think it's 2014 giants tigers
1: giants tigers was 2012 okay but the Giants were also in the World Series in 2014 that was Giants Royals yeah which one do you want to guess is the worst um I'm gonna go
0: Giants Tigers
1: Brilliant brilliant yep that is the all-time low in 2012 the Giants Tigers matchup scored a 7.6 it actually scored a lower rating than just the Sunday night football game that happened uh, a few days ago. That was an 8.7, if I believe. And that was during – was that during the – no, the World Series had already ended. But, yeah. No, but, yeah. When Sunday, night, when Sunday night football in a regular season game beats out the World Series in baseball, then you kind of know what the king of American sports is. Um, one more question for you. Now, this is the hard one. This is the impossible one. Uh but it's more of like, you know, a news update. And it's about Hugh Jackson, because why not? Hugh Jackson was fired on Monday, if you didn't know, and if we didn't talk about it already for a million years. Um, and the Browns' loss drops Jackson to 11-44-1 as an NFL head coach. He was 8-8 eight eight in Oakland and 3-36-1 in Cleveland. That's a winning percentage of .205. And out of head coaches that have coached at least 40 games... He is 218th out of 219. He is the second worst coach based on winning percentage in the history of the NFL of coaches that have played at least 40 games, which it should be a statistic because you're one of the actual coaches. Do you know the name of the worst coach in NFL history?
0: Well, I want to say it's Ben McAdoo. He didn't (laughs) coach enough games for that. He did not coach (laughs)
1: enough games for that. I mean, this is a tough one. He was a coach. I'll give you a hint. He was a coach of the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Oh, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he coached uh, from 1936 to 1941. His name was Burt Bell. He led the oh, Eagles. Oh, you didn't even
0: give me a chance to guess. <laughs> no, because you're not
1: going to get it. Of course, you're not going to get it. Because uh, this is sports ball for millennials, not sports ball for the 1940s. Uh, <laughs> his record was 10 46 and 2. Oh, his winning God. percentage was a point. 179 now Hugh Jackson was the second worst and Burt Bell was the worst but you know what the difference between uh Hugh Jackson and Burt Bell is what Burt Bell never got fired because he couldn't get fired because he was the owner of the Eagles back in the 1940s oh my god (laughs) Hugh Jackson as a head coach meant to be an actual head coach was almost as bad just the second worst. And he, was, he was only beat out in the record books by the owner of a team who just didn't want to give up head coaching. Because you know, to be honest, Lewis, let me ask you a question: If you were the owner of a football team, wouldn't you not? Wouldn't you want to be a head coach or a GM or something like that? Could you just? You can't just be like. Uh, <laughs> you can't just be like the Wilpons and just like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna let you guys do it and just make my money. Like, no, I'm too obsessed with sports. I, I would not want to just sit there and just. Do nothing.
0: Oh, yeah, no. I, I don't know if I would be, like, you know, right in the thick of things, but I would definitely be, like, a Mark Cuban-type owner, like, sideline yelling at everybody, oh, like, yeah. I have more money than you. I pay these guys. <laughs> Screw you. Yeah, right.
1: like, yeah, we're tanking. What's the problem with that? You have a problem with that? <laughs> we'll do whatever we want. All right, uh, let's yeah, go. That, on. that was
0: the best, you know, Looking back at it, you know, Sam Henke, you with the Sixers kind of be like, "Eh, it's gonna take a while." Mark Hume was like,
1: "We're tanking." <laughs> <laughs> for real, yeah, yeah. When Cuban said he was tanking, he got fined by the NBA and everything, and he was just like, "Well, I was just saying that. What, what are you yelling at me for?" But that's that. Um, all right. Now we're gonna go on to a brand new segment. You guys have wanted it, and now here it is. It's the mail call. shut your trap
0: it's time for mail call no!
1: mail call brought to you by matt enters who asked us to allow him to sponsor a segment so shout out to matt he runs a band uh his band is called uh pats run it's on facebook look it up pats run band uh they have a great band they released in a bunch of songs on spotify they're pretty good so check them out this is the mail call every before every podcast we're just going to put out a little status on our facebook page and you could comment and just tell us what you want us to talk about we also we have a couple things that we have on the mail call and we're just going to plow through them real quick uh from our original post we have a string of comments actually by our good friend andrew who started liking the podcast lewis i'm just going to ask you each question that he asked and then you just give your opinion on it Uh you ready yep ready is eli elite or does he need another tight end (laughs) (laughs) he's elite (laughs) obviously is dave roberts a good manager or did he just get lucky twice lucky twice yeah i think so too uh are the lakers going to get it together or is lebron going to have to carry these people on his back
0: They'll trade for jr smith and make the finals
1: (laughs) (laughs) if ben simmons won rookie of the year last year as a sophomore player does that mean jason tatum has a chance this year no oh man and finally can we get a segment where you explain fantasy basketball because i still don't get it no (laughs) (laughs) neither do we andrew neither do we yeah i have no idea all right moving on uh matt enters who's sponsoring this segment wanted to ask the realistic competitive viability of quidditch as a major professional sport matt i'll answer this for you Quidditch without the flying aspect really loses its spectacle. It's farce, and (laughs) it would be hilarious if ESPN picked up Quidditch because it got that much of a following. Have you seen actual like professional Quidditch? Like, I'm not talking about the movies. Not the movies. No, I have not. I have not. Uh, There's. It's pretty funny. It's people running around with brooms on the ground, just kind of walking around. And then, you know, they got a snitch, and sometimes the, the the snitch will be, like, a guy running around with a ball, like, throwing it up in the air and grabbing it or whatever, or it'll be, like, on a drone or something, and it's so weird. They're trying their best, but it's just not happening.
0: See, that's what they should do. Tape a broom to a drone, and everybody controls their own drone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine, man? There would be oh man, they have problems with injuries in the NFL. Could you imagine what Quidditch would be? There'd be riots over it if it got that big. Um, and Jonas wanted us to talk about the ethics in fantasy football. I played um, the fifth. <laughs> yeah. The, the answer, the quick answer to that, Jonas is there are no ethics in fantasy football.
0: You play to win the game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty yeah. There was a funny thing that happened in our league the other day for the audience listening is pretty much what happened is our good friend Shane listener to the show. He decided to play a prank and tell everybody in the fancy chat that he was going to sell his players for cash. Now the buy-in was $20 each. So he was like, I'll give up Zeke for like $8 and I'll give up um, Juju Smith for $5 and I'll just start giving people away. And, (laughs) and what pretty much happens is, is that a few of our friends, including Lewis, because Lewis, he wasn't the first person to do it. But he realized when everybody else was doing it, you know,
0: it's adapt or die at that point.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. You have to if, if everybody else is doing it, you're going to turn to the bad guy because you got to win. And so we had a f- few people that actually sent Shane Venmo money and actually thought it was loud. And I and I told him I was like, yeah, send it through. I'll send it right through because I'm the commissioner. And I was like, yeah, I'll just send it right through immediately. And they, you know, they put it in. the They send it, the trade through and they're like, hey, can you push this trade through? commissioner? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I hit, <laughs> I hit the veto button and it immediately goes away. And they're like, Oh, what happened? And it's like, Oh, my finger slipped. Just do it again. Just do it again. <laughs> and every time they do it, I just hit the veto button and I was getting texts from John personal texts probably every two hours asking what's going on here. Why am I not getting the players that I want? And because that's <laughs> corruption, John, that is collusion. And you doing that puts everybody else at a disadvantage. Play it like the rest of us and don't draft awful. All right. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know why I get so angry about fantasy football.
0: <laughs> As commissioner, it's very taxing. I just wanted to add Stefan Diggs, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
0: still think Stefan Diggs for, you know, Arizona's backup tight ends are very
1: fair trade. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great trade. I'm, I'm really sad that you weren't able to get that. That's the end of our mail call. Uh, feel free to always chime in on our Facebook page and feel free to chime in on Podbean or Google Play or iTunes. Comment, leave a rating. Let us know what you think. Let's go do some Pro Picks.
0: You played in the NFL. What's longer, a half or 5 eight. Pro Picks.
1: Nobody can do it like I can. Nobody can do it like you can, Chris Collinsworth. You are brilliant. Um, so, Pro Picks. Same as last week. Uh, Lewis, I don't know if you knew your record, but I know what my record was last week. I picked the Redskins over the Giants. I ate them with a side of fries if I... I'm not mistaken, and the Redskins won. And then I took the Patriots 14 points over the Bills, and they handily covered that.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what my second pick was, but I know I missed out on Jacksonville covering by about like a point or two.
1: Was it uh, – I think you also said bet on the Rams, bet on the Rams, bet on the Rams, if I'm not sure. I believe
0: you. that was my direct quote, yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: But it's all right. It's all right. We're going to give you guys the juiciest pro picks in the game. I went first last week. Um, so, Lewis, do you know? Uh, do you know who you're taking this week?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. So for my underdog, I'm going with Pittsburgh. Uh, they're right now the underdog by three points to Baltimore. Oh wow! They're hot coming in. Yeah, Connor is amazing. They need this win to, to kind of hold pace in the division. So I'll go with, with Pittsburgh there. Yeah. Um. And then for my favorite one, I'm just going to stick to it. It's going to be a theme. Favored by a point and a half, so it's pretty much pick them. Bet on the Rams. Bet on the Rams. <laughs> bet on the Rams.
1: <laughs> Rams against Saints. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Saints have an awful defense, and the Rams got a good one. So I think that might be the difference. Um. Here are my picks for the week. I am going to once again bet against the Bills. Shocking. The Bears are favored <laughs> by 10 points over the Bills. Once again, I'll reiterate this. Derek Anderson, Nathan Peterman, and Josh Allen. Probably the worst quarterback trio in the history of the NFL. Now, if I'm not mistaken, did the Bills sign or bring a new quarterback on? Because they're still really awful? They might have. I'm not totally... I sure.
0: think they did purely because i think anderson's hurt so i think it's going to be the peter man again
1: oh peter man peter man yeah uh yeah it looks like yeah Derek anderson concussion was not practicing oh my gosh you will not believe who they signed do you know who they signed oh my gosh they signed matt barkley
0: oh jesus
1: (laughs) no way usc quarterback after lineart and after sanchez yeah matt barkley Welcome to the Bills, Matt Barkley. Yeah, he's 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 gonna do great. I'm sure of it. Can't wait for them to bench Peterman after this first half. Yeah, bet on the uh, bet against the Bills always. It's probably gonna be my pick every week. <laughs> just bet against the Bills because they are terrible at covering this spread, and they're just they're terrible. Their defense is great. Their defense against the Patriots was trying their darndest. They really were. They held Tom Brady to like eight points in fantasy or something really low. Yeah,
0: um, I don't think he had a touchdown.
1: Yeah, they, they did a good job. They made Gronk completely useless. Um, but yeah, the Bills' defense is good, but the Bears' offense is... Um, I think with Tariq Cohen and Trubisky, I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, my underdog pick... hmm, This is what I'm going to do, I think. I was fighting in between taking the Texans because the Broncos are actually favored over the Texans, even though the Texans have two more wins than them what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan is due. The Falcons are due. I think they're ready to come back and start winning. They have an explosive offense. Their defense is not good. But it doesn't matter if their defense isn't good. Because the Redskins Redskins are pretty much, if the New York Giants' uh, offensive situation had worked out and they actually were successful in any way, shape, or form, they would look like the Redskins continuous short passes runs uh, little drop-off screens kind of thing that's how Alex Smith plays that's how Eli in his aged career plays and I think the Redskins can get so far but I think when you're versing an explosive Falcons offense I think Matt Ryan's gonna show his true colors I think Matt Ryan's gonna come back as Matty Ice in this game and he's gonna show the Redskins who's boss the Falcons are desperate And when teams are desperate, especially teams that can go to the playoffs, I think they're going to come out firing. So I think you should take the Falcons in this underdog pick. I think you should take Matt Ryan. You should tuck him in. You should read him a bedtime story. You know, soothe him. Give him a little kiss goodnight because he is going to do wonders for you on Sunday. That's my idea. That's my pick. I think he's going to be really good for you. Can't wait to go 4-0. Because I'm on fire from last week, so if you didn't make the decision to follow me last week, then make the decision to follow me this week. Or you can go with Lewis. I, Lewis's good. picks, your your picks weren't bad. Those are good picks. Yeah. Solid picks. Uh huh. Uh, do you want to do a little college football before we leave?
0: Uh, yeah, sure.
1: Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win
0: the football game. College football playoff rankings.
1: Oh, well, the sad marching band is back. All right, Lewis, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's a big game
0: this week. Uh, Alabama, LSU. A uh, little bit of controversy around the uh, I guess the NCAA is going to op- uphold the uh, suspension on uh, Devin White, the linebacker from LSU. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think it's one of those things they're going to be motivated now because their best defensive player is not playing. Um, I
1: don't think they can hang with Alabama regardless. Just, like, just but... like Ohio State was motivated against Purdue when they lost their best defensive when they When they lost their best defensive
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, we beat Penn State without him. so That's
1: true, yeah. That's true.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, Keep going, though. You know, but it, that's obviously the big game this week. Um, you know, has ramifications down the road, obviously. But same division in the SEC. Ohio State's back in action this week, I uh, Nebraska they'll win that
1: yeah they'll definitely win that I, I think the difference between the Alabama and LSU game is gonna be playing simple I think it's the fact that lSU's at home uh, I know Alabama's a great team but LSU yeah lSU's hot they're ready to go they're ready for some vengeance just as you said but I think the fact that they're playing in Baton Rouge Louisiana at Tiger Stadium I right? I I think Alabama's going to have a tough time in that environment. Now, you know, Alabama's obviously the best team in the nation, has been for so many years with Nick Saban, but sometimes they take a loss during the regular season, and if they're going to take a loss, it's going to be this week, and I think there's a mighty good chance it's going to happen.
0: Oh, definitely. Especially when you think of, you know, Georgia just saved their season last week after losing in in, in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're just... LSU is a very, historically, they're just a very underperforming school with a lot of talent.
1: You know, if you were to actually do a pro picks on Alabama-LSU, do you see what the do you see what the uh, spread is on that? Alabama's, no, I haven't seen it. What is it? Alabama's favored by 14.5. Oh, I'd take LSU on that. Yeah, I'd take LSU on it's, that it's as well. Close. Especially with LSU at home. I wonder what the spread would be if Alabama was at home. Probably like three touchdowns or something. They really think Alabama's going to destroy them. Oh, easily. Uh, easily. If it was in if it was in Alabama, absolutely. Yeah. But, anyway. Yeah, um, Notre Dame's got a big game this weekend as well. Who knows what's going to happen there. That Northwestern's a really hot team.
0: Uh, and Big Ten football.
1: <laughs> it's true, yeah. I mean, Kirk Herbstreet is poisonous with his spewing of Irish hatred, but he said that he thinks that Notre Dame's going to get upset this week. Just as he said that they were going to get upset by Virginia Tech and just said... That, you know, Notre Dame was going to get upset by Vanderbilt, blah, 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 but whatever. Who knows?
0: You know, you guys will make the playoff, knock on wood. (laughs) Knock on wood, yeah. Then hopefully get knocked out by Alabama. Yeah, not
1: knocked out, pummeled, (laughs) stripped, everything. Just absolute beatdown. And then maybe, you know, maybe Tua has a really attractive girlfriend that we can watch on the sidelines for the entire game and watch Lee Corso just compliment the whole time.
0: And and what linebacker can we get with a uh, catfish on your
1: team? <laughs> uh, yeah, Drew Tranquil. Yeah, he's a he's a <laughs> he's our captain linebacker. Yeah, hopefully he's getting catfish right now. That'll inspire the team to stay off social media, Drew. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. she's not real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah has the uh, has the Heisman watch changed at all this week? Two, two is still number one? Obviously, yeah, two is still
0: one. Um, you know, it looks more and more. I think this is the week for him. If he, if they have a really good game, and I don't think they will blow out LSU, but if they somehow handle LSU easily, mm-hmm. I think this week could lock it up. Fair enough. He, he's that much better than everybody else. Yeah,
1: I mean, after this, I'm I'm trying to look at Alabama's schedule right now. But if they win this week, uh, I don't see. Oh, they do have to play Auburn, and who knows? Sometimes it yeah, it's Auburn, always a toss up one. You I never mean... know. Yeah, rivalry games are rivalry games, but. Other than that, I mean, they just have the SEC championship. Oh, I totally forgot. Alabama plays the Citadel. How could I have forgotten?
0: Oh, upset alert.
1: Upset alert. You know what's funny? In the Citadel on ESPN, they don't even have the stats for the season leaders for the Citadel because they don't even know who's playing on that team.
0: That, that might be my pro pick that week is bet on the Citadel. <laughs> bet, on the, <laughs> bet the Citadel will Alabama cover the spread of Alabama might be 60. favored by 100. <laughs> yeah. It's like the SEC homecoming team. I think Florida might play them this week. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh, they're, they're just one of those teams just like, yeah, we'll just keep paying us $200,000 each and we'll just keep getting beat down by any team that wants to come. You know what's funny? is also playing on their home turf. I, I bet their capacity just hilarious. I bet they oh, they're like, playing at the Citadel? Yeah. Oh boy, that's the biggest thing to happen in the Citadel in history. For real, they might have a sellout. Yeah, of right. Just Alabama fans. Yeah, I, yo, for real at the Citadel, <laughs> I would not doubt that whatsoever. Um, I'm trying to look up to see what the capacity of the stadium is, because usually they have it down here. Um, uh... oh no, it said that it was no, it's in Tuscaloosa. Never mind. Well, <laughs> Citadel's gonna have a great time playing against Alabama. <laughs> At home. <laughs> yeah, upset break. alert. Yeah, upset <laughs> alert. Uh, let's do – we'll do one quick hot take before we go. All right, let's do it. Football hot oh, take. This is topical because this game just happened. The only hot take I'm just going to give you, John Gruden won't last two seasons with the Raiders.
0: Uh, I'm going to go lukewarm take.
1: Lukewarm – you know, I – I don't – I'm not going to take that at all. I wonder if the contract, how much is guaranteed in it out of the $100 million over 10 years. Um, but, yeah, I think I think they're putting a lot of trust in Gruden. And, you know, they have the three first-round picks this year. They got two first-round picks next year. I don't think he's going anywhere.
0: Yeah, I, that that's my biggest thing is I don't think he's going anywhere. You know, if this team was fully equipped and had, you know, Khalil Mack – and an Amari Cooper that yeah. wanted to play and yeah. a healthy Derek Carr. Yeah. You know, essentially the team that would they get like the third seed a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. you know, if he was sucking with that team, yes, we have an issue. He yeah. might not be able to coach in this modern NFL, but oh, you know, he, truthfully, he might not be able to, because aside from Mac, the team was still pretty much intact. Mm-hmm. Um, and they added Jordy Nelson. You know, But the trades he's made, they're going to let him see this out at least. So he's got at least – I'd say he probably has until the end of the rookie contracts of the three guys he takes this year. So I think he's got at least four or five years
1: left. Yeah, I would say four. I would say four is probably – if he still – if he has a losing record for four straight seasons, he's out. Now, if he shows improvement, then maybe not, but – They're definitely, I don't think they're going to get rid of him in two seasons because they got all his draft picks and stuff, and they're now expecting him to, you know, grow. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the Khalil Mack trade right now looks like the stupidest trade made in history, and especially when he's going around like, oh, it's really hard to find a pass rusher. And, you know, he's not that dumb. He knows that Khalil Mack gave up and stuff like that, but it's just he's not making himself look good. I mean, well, and,
0: and it's it's one of those things, you know, they weren't going to pay him. They didn't have the money to pay him.
1: Right.
0: And, you know, it, it's – you can easily flip. Now, obviously it would be their pick because the right. Bears aren't as bad as they are. But they could easily have Nick Bosa on that team next year. Yeah. You right. know, and there's your pass rusher. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the some of the things he says, he has his head up his own ass. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's part of the show. You know, they're going that's to Vegas. Most...
1: It's a spectacle. Right. You know. Maybe that's the big thing is, like, we're moving to Vegas in two years. We don't really care about losing. Maybe if we lose, it'll make it better for the move and people won't go crazy about it or something.
0: Who knows? I, I, I honestly think that's what it is. I mean, look at look at the Rams. They didn't make the trade for a franchise quarterback until they were going to L.A. Mm. Yeah, you know, They were trotting out Sam Bradford for years and then Nick Foles.
1: Oh, my gosh. Right. You know.
0: They didn't care. And then once they went to L.A., they were like, okay, we got Gurley. You know, we got some defensive pieces. We need to go get the quarterback. And they yeah. went up and got – went up and got Gosh. Mm-hmm. So certain cities, you know, when they relocate like that, you know, they don't give a crap about Oakland. I think mm-hmm. Marshawn's the only one on that team that cared about Oakland.
1: Yeah, for real, yeah. Now, wait, one one last question before we go. Do you think Derek Carr stays in the Oakland Raiders next season? No. You think he's done? I think he's done. I, I think he's You know, done. they got – the Raiders are definitely going to have a top five pick in the draft, so – I think and they, nice. they're
0: going to have a top five pick, and you look at a situation where, again, he hasn't been good in a couple of years, but could it be if I think, obviously, completely different positions, but his case can really be helped out if Amari Cooper does well in mm-hmm. Dallas. Yeah. You know, because I do. I think it's just a matter of no one in Oakland wants to be in Oakland.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah, if Amari Cooper does great in Dallas, then I think Derek Carr actually becomes some type of commodity that some team would want. I mean, probably, if I were to think of quarterbacks that will probably be getting rid of by their teams, that are potential <laughs> starters, would be Carr, Teddy Bridgewater. And I don't. I, I, I think Miami's going to try to get rid of Tannehill because I think they want to move on from it, even though he's a solid quarterback, the injuries yeah. and stuff like that. So you got those three that might be on the market and stuff like and, that. And,
0: and you look at a situation where, you know, Obviously, New Orleans. If something happens to Breeze, you know, if he retires, they're gonna keep Teddy. Right. Teddy I don't think they're be getting rid of Teddy. Sure. Um, but you know, you look at the situation. The Raiders could realistically have four first round picks this year by the end of the draft. True, by the yeah. time the draft rolls around.
1: Quick thing for Pew- Teddy though is that Teddy is not gonna want to sign another one year deal. After oh no this season. yeah he's going to want to be like okay I want a team that actually wants me so if you want to keep me Saints you better give me at least a three year deal or something so that I know that you want me as your future
0: well see I think that's the thing is that he wants a long term deal but you know if they can't come to a long term deal a franchise tag for a backup quarterback wouldn't hurt too much either right you know but I you know I look at it as a situation where you know Carr obviously the glaring one that's I don't want to say a ticking time bomb because it's not like a toxic situation, but new England at any point, Brady could just be like, eh, I'm out. Right. And they don't have Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. They don't have Brissett. Yeah. You know, that is an easy flip. Like, okay, we, you know, lost in the AFC title game. Let's say here's 29. Give us Derek Carr. End of story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That That does sound like the perfect situation if you were to go. Yeah, I agree. Um, All right. Well, that's going to be the end. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk to you, Lewis. And we will bring it to a close. Until next week, everybody. This is Sports Ball for Millennials. Have a good week.